A company has to have a purpose that goes beyond just financial results so that it kind of inclusive of all stakeholders, right? And I think people understand companies have to make money to survive and employees and everybody understands. But then that doesn't, you know, uh, uh, get them out of the bed, right? I mean, it, it wins their minds, but not the hearts, right? So what we want is a purpose that really, you know, wins the hearts of our employees. They feel like they are part of something bigger. The Energy Transition Podcast takes you directly to the cutting edge of the global energy sector's shift, with a specific focus on the critical role played by oil and gas, as well as the pathways developing around a lower carbon future. Your hosts, Leslie Beyer, Energy Workforce and Technology Council CEO, and Dan Pickering, founder of Pickering Energy Partners, are joined by Josh Lowry, president of Upright Digital. Each episode engages industry thought leaders in an exploration of market-moving trends and topics, including new technologies, ESG, capital markets, inclusion and diversity, workforce innovation, regulatory influences, and the voice of the people. Join us as the Energy Transition Podcast looks at the state of the traditional energy and oil field service sectors, emerging technologies, and the path ahead in a world of lower carbon energy development. Welcome to the Energy and Transition Podcasts. My name is Josh Lowry. I am one of your hosts today. I am joined by the co-host extraordinaire, Miss Leslie Beyer. We are in the Fletch Azul Podcast Studio. And this is actually one of our first episodes that we've done together. That's right. Yes, in the in the show without Dan Pickering, our other uh, glorious co-host. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great. I love the new chairs. Yeah. Um, I don't feel as much like I'm in an airline cockpit, but that's all right. Yeah. Like you know, these chairs were bought specifically for you. Were they? <laughs> yes. I love to hear that. So I'm from all boys. And so I bought those airline chairs, the, mm -hmm. the awesome restoration hardware style aviation chairs. Yes. And I thought they were great, which they are great. But then coming from all boys, you don't realize that girls don't like to sit that low. And, <laughs> I, and you said, Josh, these are terrible if you're, you know, if you're in a dress. And I said, that's something you just don't realize if you're a boy. And you've, I'm glad I could bring that perspective to the, to the podcast. I, I'm not kidding. I actually, <laughs> I needed that perspective. That's something we did. And so when we bought these, I they were we were kind of going through the design and I kept saying what would Leslie like here how would this go mm -hmm. so no these chairs are specifically bought with you in mind I like them even better now thank yeah, you that puts me even in better mood all right this, <laughs> this shows off to a, a big win today but how have you been I'm good you know I just got back from Oklahoma City yesterday doing some stuff out with Continental um, and so just travel continues. See, I, these intros are so hard to do. There's so many things you have to do. I forgot, our audience knows this, but just in case, you are the President and CEO of Energy Workforce and Technology Committee, formerly known as PISA, for those Correct. that don't know this. So you've been busy. You're, the first half of the year is your busy time. It really is. It's it's cyclical, I think, um, because people that engage with us, our members really do um, do that kind of in the spring and the fall. In the summers and in the holidays, it's, you know, folks are kind of pulling back, taking time. They don't have a lot of extra time to spend on advocacy um, type initiatives. And that's primarily what we do. Um, but we're doing it 
year round, um, yeah. advocating on behalf of the energy services sector. So and before we get to our guests, look, we're going to do a quick plug for EWTC. What is your website that people can go check that out? It's energyworkforce.org. Okay. Uh, we do a ton of advocacy and government affairs for all companies in the energy services sector, including Champion X that we're so excited to talk about today. Look at that lead in. Um, and we do a ton of workforce development as well. So hopefully we'll talk a little bit about that. Y'all have been such a strong supporter of those programs. So um, a lot for the energy supply chain yeah. and um, very focused on what the energy services sector role is in energy transition, uh, which is why it's so exciting to have Soma come talk to us today. Oh, well, on that note, welcome. Thank you, Josh. Happy to be here. You know, I was just enjoying your conversation. <laughs> you know, I hope you will ignore me for a longer period, you know. <laughs> well, it's it's an awkward thing that to do this, but it's, it is a fun thing. Like, yeah. this is the whole setup of the podcast. It's designed as we want people to come in and be comfortable and to tell great stories about the you know, their companies, the industry, and ultimately we want whether, you know, friend or foe, when they're here, this is a place where ideas get shared. Um, people are comfortable to tell, you know, what's good, what's bad, what can we work on? Um, and, you know, I, Leslie, I've known Leslie, when did you take over? Um, it's been about eight years. Eight years. Wow. And I mean, she, you you know, that, so you've been involved for a long time too. She's revamped that entire organization. Oh, she's done a great job, you yeah. know, uh, under her leadership. You know, the kind of uh, pivot she, the, the organization has made and uh, the role, Leslie, you know, you played. And, and more importantly, I would say that, you know, the type of things the organization is doing now is really what the industry needs. So, so thanks for your leadership and Josh, Thank you, so you know. You've been an integral part of uh, you know this industry in many ways. You know, really bringing new technologies and digital marketings and helping us you know spread the word as well. I, so I, thank you. I, I have great. great respect for you. And yeah. I appreciate that. What let's uh, let's do a quick intro before sure. I make him compliment me for ten more minutes because I, <laughs> I could just stay on this for a while. That was a nice and genuine compliment. That was yeah, very true. That's great. Um, so our guest today, we're so pleased to have Soma Soma Sundaram. He's president and chief executive officer at Champion X, and he also sits on the company's board of directors. Prior to Apergy's merger with Champion X, he was the Apergy president and CEO, as well as a member of that board. Um, before his role at Apergy, uh, which was created in a spinoff from Dover Corporation in 2018, Soma was vice president at Dover and president and CEO of Dover Energy, and he held several other senior leadership roles there. Um, I know you've been in the oilfield services sector for a very long time, Soma, and your leadership is extraordinary. So thanks for being here today. Well, glad to be here and, uh, you know, happy to be part of this. You know, before we get into this, and I really wasn't going to ask this question, but I, I've, I'm aware of those changes in those different companies. That's a lot in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um do you, do you have a minute just to kind of describe what maybe the last five years have looked like? I know there's a whole part of your career that you could probably go into, but that feels like a whole lot in five years. Uh, oh, it's, it's extraordinary amount of changes, right? And, uh, you know, I wish I can say that I planned all that out, but the reality is, you know, there's only so much you can plan. And then as industry evolves and things evolve, you have to adapt and quickly change with it, right? So it's, a, it's, a, it's funny, you know, when I uh, had, uh, uh, our employees town hall after the merger, right? And that was in June 2020, the latest, latest merger we did. Uh, one of the employees asked me the question, you know, uh, so Soma, 2018 was a spin year. You know, 2019, you announced a merger. So what's in store for 2020? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think there's two messages there. Number yeah. one is, okay, what else are you planning to do? And number two is, hey, this is a lot of change, yeah. right? And and so to your point, yeah, it's been tremendous amount of change. But I would say, uh, Josh, that uh, you know, it's all been a positive change, and um, and I'm so grateful to you know my team and the entire organization and how remarkably they have uh, kind of supported that. And then you know you know very well that uh, what the world has gone through in the last two years, and to be able to do all this in a uh, pandemic world and virtual environment has been extraordinary, and uh, and I give a lot of lot of credit to uh, our employees and the strong culture we have. That and I'm so have, grateful. That must have been really difficult to manage all that change. Um, you had really just completed it and then went into the pandemic environment. That's that's right. You know, we announced the merger. If you think about it, in 2019, uh-huh. in December of 2019, oh. we announced the merger. And uh, you know, you know, these large mergers take time to complete mm-hmm. and close. And boy, by and the f- and the world changed in February of 2020, and we had to completely do this virtually. And uh, and when you're bringing two large organizations and trying to do this virtually, and uh, uh, and we actually closed the merger on June 2020, virtually, and we couldn't even bring the teams together because of all the. COVID restrictions and everything we had. So I mean, it's been the worst, the worst timing yeah. right there. Right. June, right. 20. June was right. tough. And mm-hmm. in a merger, the thing that matters is trust and being able to look at people in the eyeballs. And I can only imagine well, how challenging that was. Well, go back and think was. about your revenues of June 2020. Nothing yeah. was going on right. in June of 20. Right. No, that's exactly right. You know, I mean, we, we, you know, we had the merger to think through and then the revenues were plummeting because of the whole, you know, you, we all remember the famous negative oil price in March, mm-hmm. right? And uh, then the organization is up in arms, right? Because everybody's wondering, you know, because we as a company, like many companies in the oil field industry and or even the industrial world has never worked as an organization remotely. And I have to be honest, you know, I wasn't sure whether we would be able to effectively work remotely. Mm-hmm. And, but the power of human potential really comes through during these times, right? You know, I mean, it's just amazing, you know, when I look back at it, you know, and I had my doubts of whether we will, you know, get through this, uh, you know, and effectively. But boy, the human potential si- uh, uh, shines. And that's one of the reasons uh, we always pivot on our culture, lean right. on our culture, because it really helps you in the difficult times. And that's leadership. And you um, talk so much about, I, I, I know it's an important part of your leadership style to talk about culture and how um, important that is. And that is, I think, where I see a lot of companies in the energy services space. It's even a part of ESG. You know, Everyone is focused on that. How do you look at culture? I mean, primarily first, like in, in, the, in the merger and, and all of that environment, and then post-COVID, how do you maintain your strong culture through all of that? Yeah, I mean that's a it's a, it's a it's a great question, Leslie, and and it's a it's a it's a lot of leadership work, you know, and uh, you know when when I, when I think about these things, right, you know, it's based on I would say about three convictions, right. First and foremost is you know that you know a, a company has to have a purpose that goes beyond just financial results so that it kind of inclusive of all stakeholders, right? And I think people understand companies have to make money to survive and employees and everybody understands. But then that doesn't, you know, uh, 
get them out of the bed, right? I mean, it, it wins their minds, but not the hearts, right? So what we want is a purpose that really you know, wins the hearts of our employees. They feel like they are part of something bigger. So that's what we, you know, so our conviction, first conviction is based on the fact that, you know, that we have to have a purpose that is bigger. And that's why we chose the purpose of improving lives and, uh, and, 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 and working in an energy industry. It's amazing how it resonates with people every day, improving lives of people, right? So then the second conviction is around that culture, positive culture is the only sustainable competitive advantage a company can have, right? Because everything else people can copy. Technology can be copied, you know, you know, if you have the best supply chain, somebody can do better. You, you know, if you are, you are paying the best in the industry, somebody can come and pay you even more. But when we all know, you know, culture is a kind of a tapestry, you know, nicely worn tapestry, right? So you, you have to be, you know, so you start, it doesn't, you, you can't just pull on one thread. You have to create that tapestry, right? So that's the second thing. Yeah, so that's the second conviction we have. So which means we focus on it because it's a sustainable competitive advantage. The third reason we focus on it is, you know, we always believe that the leaders get the culture they deserve. You know, so which means it's a leadership work. The culture of an organization is a reflection of the leadership, right? So these are the three things. And we, we use a principle, we call it internally as, a, you know, culture by design. Because sometimes people think about culture as you want to create a culture, right? But then how do you create a culture, right? Culture is an artifact, right? So we believe in a, in a, in a principle, we call it culture by design, where thing, everything starts with experiences, right? So if you give positive experiences to people, that creates a belief system with people, that you know, their experiences keep, uh, creates a belief system. And that belief system then translates into good behaviors, right? And then those behaviors, we call it as an artifact, which is a culture. So if you want, we always say, if you want a positive culture, good culture, start with giving good experiences to people, the employees. So that's, that's how we start doing those. So every day, you know, that's the leadership work. We talk in the executive committee. You know, we talk about culture elements, and we do engagement surveys. We encourage people to speak openly. I have a pipeline to CEO where employees can email me directly, and every week I get three or four mm -hmm. emails where I respond uh, to those emails, and they can bring any topic that's happening in the company, right? And we post those across. So try to create this kind of a positive experiences where people can feel that, you know, that the environment is collaborative, the environment is transparent. So that's kind of where it starts. You know, these, this Energy and Transition podcast can be a lot of different things. It can be highly technical, as we were talking. I don't remember if it was on air or off air. Yeah. Um, it can be um, people-oriented because, you know, uh, Leslie has Maria here. She's off camera. And we were talking just about the people aspect and what workforce is necessary. So that's what's really great about this particular topic of Energy in Transition podcast. But as I'm listening to you talk, and, and really the notes that are prepared are extensive, and there's a lot of topics that we're going to talk about here. But I always tell people the best part about a podcast is it's it's very, I'm sure, you know, you mentioned the pipeline to the CEO, but there's a lot of your employees that aren't going to get 45 minutes with you right. at a lunch or a coffee or whatever. And they're going to hear, and they read an email, and they get the response, or they go to the um, town hall. But this is a unique moment 
to hear you talk like this, and I, it's encouraging for me. And when I heard you say leadership get the culture they deserve, I don't know about you, Leslie, that kind of just smacked me in the face a little bit because that is what a great comment on, you know, it's the whole, if it's, you are getting what you put out there. If you want, if you expect this or you do X, Y, or Z, you're going to get back whatever you're doing. And, you know, you can't have excellence if you're not excellent yourself. Right. And I just, I think what a great, what a great comment and commentary on leading such a large organization. So, you know, the, uh, I'm going to keep talking one more second here, but I just, I love the fact that, like, these are the stories that I wonder how many people listening that are, that don't know much about oil and gas, energy, et cetera, would ever say that an oil field services CEO cares this much about their people, right? It's not just profits. It's not just this. It's no, we're going to care about the people and then we're going to care about the other stuff that comes with it. Well, I agree. And I think in oil field services, it's so competitive, so incredibly competitive. And so when you mentioned the second conviction of positive culture is the only sustainable competitive advantage, that really resonated with me. You know, anybody could come along and pay your people more. It, it happens all the time, and especially with the workforce situations that we're seeing right now and labor shortages and, and our kind of inability to really attract and retain um, a, a new, younger workforce. Absolutely. That's what's Absolutely. so important. Absolutely. People will, you know, it, it's interesting for me to see, because I have a little bit in my day job, the visibility into a number of different companies and the ones that have high turnover and the ones that don't, you can tell. Right, right. And sometimes people will leave for a few dollars more an hour, right. but not if they feel like they're part of something right. greater and that they, be- they they believe in this idea too of improving lives. Right. And that's something we spend a lot of time talking about. And I think that's the important thing about energy transition. And mm-hmm. you're one of those leaders that isn't afraid to say that phrase. Right. I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to use that phrase. Right. And we can hem and haw over that. But... To embrace it and say we're improving lives, right? You know, how do you talk to your team about that? Yeah, no, I think it's a you know, uh, Leslie, uh, you, I, you know, I've, I've listened to you say, uh, you know, energy transition does not mean transitioning away from oil and gas, right? It's you know, you always say that, you know, and and uh, and that so much resonates with me because it's about energy transition of us doing it together, right? And you know, you we have all seen the recent events and things have kind of shown, right, how important the oil and gas energy yes. is for the world. You know, in because we got, you know, energy security is important, you know, affordable, reliable, you know, and responsible energy is really, really important to the world. It and is. and so the recent events is showing that, right? So we have a we have a, a huge part to play. In, in in this, and you know, and and then I, if I can take a minute to go back to the pandemic, look at what our energy industry or oil and gas industry was doing. I mean, we have seven thousand people around the world. I'm so grateful to them because sixty five percent of them in our company did not have the choice to work remotely. Wow! Right, because they work in field, yeah. in the they are shop we are the, floor. in the shop floor, in the manufacturing environment. So day in day out. You know, they have to go out there Mm -hmm. and do the work they do so that the world can continue to have. You know, think about hospitals running. Where does that energy come from, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's and that story 
doesn't get told no. how important uh, you know and 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 I'm every day I'm grateful for them because if they had not done what they're supposed to do I don't know how we would have gotten through the pandemic right it's and such an important it's point. an important part of it right so w- there's a lot to be proud of what we do as an industry right yes. there's a lot to be proud of what we do so having said that I think we also need to embrace you know the responsibility of providing this energy you know in an affordable and responsible and sustainable manner and we have already started doing that and look at the amount of commitments the industry has made and the moves they are making in this and i can talk for hours about the technologies and the things that are being used in the industry today to continue to achieve that goal of affordable reliable energy and 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 i'm also appreciative of the work uh, you know your organization does lessly in terms of you know different things in everything from making sure that you know we provide the right cutting edge knowledge about esg initiatives providing the right kind of leadership development making sure that you know that the oil field services that is big and small all get that opportunity right so i think you know there's a lot to be proud of so that's how we talk to the organization about it number 1 that there's a lot to be proud of the second we talk about it is you know all the innovations and things we do right today if you look at it is to reduce the carbon content so we make the world efficient and enable a low carbon future mm-hmm. right and there is a number of innovations in the industry right and a simple example I, you know we just introduced a, what is called a high rise pump right i mean not to give a marketing spiel here but but yeah. i just want to give a point of in, uh, point of a- innovation it's a esp pump but it produces the same amount of volume with 20% less power and we are not the only one who is doing it across the board throughout the industry all of the companies are innovating mm-hmm. right to provide that responsible you know energy so our employees are very you know proud of what we do because they understand that we provide responsible energy which is important to drive the world we got to balance protecting the planet and the prosper you know in prosperity of the the global population right so we have a responsibility to support that right so i think you know as you talk more and more like that to people and they 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 completely understand they do and they get behind those innovations i mean i have watched at at champion x you all bring so much to the table in digitalization right. um in addition to those those um low carbon innovative technologies do you want to talk a little bit about that when i think about champion x in my mind i think about a company very focused on digital systems digitalization with of the oil field yeah no i i think you know it's a, it's an important um uh enabler uh for the industry you know to enable the low carbon future because if you think about all digital solutions anything digital you know it does two things right number one you know it drives productivity through convergence of information through convergence of you know various insights so it drives productivity and number two you know it drives efficiencies of the assets right so when you think about you know from a digital perspective we you know we 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 kind of think about it uh, you know it's a, because it's a broad term and it's used widely so we always think about in oil and gas the way uh, what enables digital digital is three things number one is i would say 
the economic value of the asset. So if some, so think about it as if there is a 10,000 oil you know, barrels per day producing well, you want to make sure it's operating every minute in the most efficient manner because it's high economic value, high critical asset, right? Whereas if it is uh, 10 barrels a day producing well, you may not need to have the same level of digitalization because the economic value of that asset is not high and things don't change that often, right? So that's number one, economic value of the asset. Second, uh, we think about is the, the digital maturity of the, the, the organization themselves. Because when you think about companies, they are all in different, uh, in, a, in a spectrum of digital continuity. On one end of the spectrum, you have enterprise digitizers. They are digitizing everything, right? From internal uh, information all the way to how things work in the, in the field. And then there are, there are, in the other end of the spectrum, there are organizations, I call them uh, kind of unit digitizers. They will say, look, I have a producing well, I just want to control that well. I'm not interested in all this end-to-end, -end, big digital type of thing. But there's a tendency normally when people talk about digital as if it's, everything is always end-to-end. -end. But it's a spectrum of things, right? So that's how we think about it. So what does that mean for the industry? We need to make sure our products are modular, right? So people can pick and choose mm -hmm. what is, if they want the full stack of end-to-end, -end, where I just want to sit down in my office and be able to see everything goes on in that 5,000 well, uh, well sites I have, we have solutions for that, right? But that's not every customer, right? But then there are customers who will say, like I said, hey, just give me a simple controller. And so that it controls it. I would like to go there every week and I'll check on it. I, my comfort level is good with that. So I think we need to produce modular things. The other thing which is really, really important, and, and we always feel that, is because you know, we need to make sure that the software and hardware in digital stays agnostic. Because it's really important to provide that flexibility to the customers, so which means Customers should be able to pick our hardware if they, are, if they like Champion X hardware, right? And if they like somebody else's software because they feel that's a better you know, fit for them, they should be able to run that software on our hardware, right? So right from the beginning, we always adopted the technology, uh, the principle of agnostic hardware and software so that customers have the flexibility. And then lastly, I would say, they, you know, we really, really need to work on bringing down the cost mm -hmm. of technology because we all know when the cost of technology comes down, adoption goes up, right? So that's how we focus on as Champion X, and I do really feel as an industry, right? I think if we continue to collaborate, because if when I look at it, you know, there is so much inefficiency in our industry. Right, because of how things have evolved over a period of time. Well, everybody thinks their widget's better. Uh, exactly, right? And so if we can uh, you know, continue to evolve uh, where we kind of put collaboration in front of us, which means we agree on data standards, we agree on, you know, so our products communicate with each other, right? I think we can eliminate so much inefficiency. Sometimes when I talk to customers, you can tell, right? They say, well, they have internal groups all they do is write middlewares so that different things can talk to each other. Right? So, I mean, I feel, uh, if you go back to the last, I, I always joke about 
the last downturn, but what is that really? Is it one year, three years, seven years? Because I can pick maybe three in the last seven years alone. Right. So pick your last downturn that you'd like to talk about. The, the, those have caused the need for what you're describing, not only from a, you know, a cost standpoint, like we've got to lower cost to be efficient, or that's not the right word, economical. But at the same time, it, are you seeing, there's also been a great, the great crew change has mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. So there's a, this new workforce just by generationally seems open to communicating with each other differently than maybe other past generations have. Are you seeing that type of? Uh, ab- absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I can give you Please. Mul- multiple examples of that, right? So let's start with a simple technology evolution, which the, the, which the employees bring to the table now, right? So you, we all remember, you know, I remember going to Wellsite, you know, 20 years ago, and we will see, have this controller there, which will have this one green line. That's all you can see, right? So one green line of display. And uh, so if you want to get to a function, you need to go through like six steps before you can get to that particular set point or a particular function, right? Today, we have 12-inch screens, right? Everything you need is a touch screen, right? And, 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 and that evolution, if you look at it, you know, came through when our employees, when you hire these new employees, they come and go, what's, what's up with that? Yeah, you know, I need a green better. line. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Can I do it on my phone? <laughs> yeah. Why can't I do it on my phone? Why can't they ask these questions so quickly and yeah. say, hey, and, and there is so much advancement of technology that has happened in the other industries, right, which we can easily bring in mm-hmm. uh-huh. and adopt. So that's, a, that's an example of, you know, those, right? And then when you look at, uh, you know, we recently launched our emissions platform, you know, which is, a, you know, again, another important commitment the industry is making, right? So, and when you look at uh, the, the emissions, and that's been an important source of attraction of talent mm-hmm. for us. And, you know, uh, just to deviate a little bit here, the, so uh, last week I was at our West Little York facility where we manufacture these units. And I was walking the floor and I was talking to the employees and a couple of them had joined recently, 30 days ago. So I asked them, you know, where were you working before and what attracted you to Champion X, right? And to, you know, going back to the things you talk about, they say, you know, we looked at what Champion X does and this emissions things you do really resonates with us, right? Because we feel like we can be part of something that helps improve people's lives. See, that blows my mind. Right. You're, you're not getting that answer 20 years yeah. ago. No, not when we were coming into the industry. I was like, the, how did, I make some money. I, I'm <laughs> saying 20 years ago, and I'm really being nice, right? I mean, you could maybe yeah. say five years ago. Like, that to me feels like a, a monumental shift in a mindset of people trying to say, hey, let's, like, I, that means that what we're talking about is working. And I don't mm-hmm. mean... Look, you know, as, as you were talking a little bit ago, I kind of got quiet because I, I was very encouraged to hear what you were talking about on the um, the reasons we're doing this and the reasons for this podcast. And, and what I really thought to myself, Leslie, was, and I'm going to just hijack this podcast for a second, is I think I might be the biggest winner of this entire podcast. And, and I'm serious because I'm getting to hear both Leslie Beyer and the guests that she brings in, Dan Pickering and the guests that he brings in. And what I'm, what I'm getting to hear, and I, I encourage everybody to listen to all the podcasts because you're going to get to hear a lot of different takes and different levels of business, whether it's financial or oilfield services. 
But what you're going to hear this common thread throughout the whole process is everybody's aiming towards the same goal. And it's not energy transition, it's energy in transition, which we've been doing for 100 years. And energy transition is exactly the product services, widgets, people, personnel, and I mean, it's all of it, this, this thing that we're in the middle of. And I, as you're listening, it just all because it feels like we're living it right now. And it's incredible. You're right. Absolutely. It's great to hear you explain it to some of the way you do, because I think for some companies in the space, they're like, digitalization is too much. It's it's a, a big behemoth. I'm not going to wrap my arms around that. But to hear you talk about it as something that can be modular, something that can be bespoke, you know, for, for a company, um, they don't have to do the end-to-end no. digital life cycle. Absolutely not. They can just come along bit by bit. And right. to see that modeled and, right. and articulated in leadership, I think is very important. Or, or I'm sorry, or yeah. a new employee saying, hey, we're going to be part of this change. Right. <laughs> You're not hearing that five years ago. Right. It's incredible. Right. And then, you know, I mean, look, we all, as humans, we, you know, as employees, we are also all different, right? I mean, look, I, when I look at my iPhone, right, I mean, I, I'm like, I think probably I use like 20% of the functionality, yeah. you know, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I use it to make a call, yeah. you know, I occasionally, you know, you're, check you're not some on things. The, you're not you know, TikToking on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not TikToking on it or I'm not controlling my house with it. I'm not right. controlling my, you know, but then I know people in our organization, they, they actually run the whole life with iPhone, mm-hmm. right? How remarkable is that, right? But then, so just like, you know, people are in a spectrum, right? So same thing in the organization. I always tell, look, look, the first thing we always ask to, we have to ask is what problem are we trying to solve? Because, you know, you know, we can all reflect and think about it, right? All the things we do in the organization, you really reflect on it. You'll suddenly find, oh my God, I don't even know why we do that. What problem is right. that trying to solve? Because I can tell you, and, I, and I'm sure, Josh, in your, in, in your work, you come across this, that you know, people come to you all the time in the organization and say, we should be doing this, we should be doing this, we should be doing this, right? I rarely have people come into my office saying, you know, Soma, we should stop doing this, right? It's always more it's and more and more, right? And then you start point. thinking, okay, the first question when you ask them, okay, I know we should be doing that, can you please explain to me what is the problem we are trying to solve? Then they start thinking, um, and why is that a problem, right? Because, th- so, so, so I think it's same thing with digital, right? So in the organization, you can get overwhelmed if you suddenly say, I'm going to digitize everything. But there are things, you know, you just need to understand where is the, I always tell people, look, let's work on the things that bugs you the most. Who wouldn't want to work on it, right? <laughs> that's what. That's a great step mm-hmm. for improvement. Ask it people. Is. Let's work on the things that bugs you the most. Mm-hmm. Well, that is such a leadership skill too. I know in my role, even, and I know Josh experiences this certainly in marketing, especially in the digital marketing space. But for me, in the trade association space, I've got 450 companies coming at me every day saying, "I want you to do this right. and that and this and that," and I want to respond to that. But. Um, I will present to the board what I'm working on, and without fail, the board will ask me every single time, "What are you pulling off? What are you taking off? We need to know what you're right. what you are not, you know, doing well, right? So you can take that and move it to the side, right? Um, and uh, you know that that's why I said the digital is a great enabler. You know, I mean, I we have a number of examples where you, 
you know, automate things and w digital workflows and things like that. But they are all have to solve a particular problem and make people's life better, right? You know, digitization for the sake of digitization, everybody will be frustrated. Yeah, that's right? not worth it. It's, yeah. that, it's the make people's yeah. life better, better part better. that really matters across everything. Absolutely. And right. we started with that. Improving lives is one of the first things you said, and I love that. And there are a number of things that are going on in our industry in the digital space that is enabling, you know, whether it is being able to monitor the wells remotely or whether you're able to predict the life of an operating asset so that you don't have to shut down things un until it's needed. It, you know, the safety of the people, right? So they don't have to drive to the well site every day and spend all their time on the road putting themselves at risk as well as, you know, the productivity associated with it, right? So I think the, the digitalization is a amazing enabling factor. I'll give you one more example and then, uh, you know, the, uh, how it helps. So for example, you know, if you have a North Sea platform or even a, a Gulf of Mexico deep water, right? So when there is a problem there, right? In the past, you know, like in our case, right? You know, we provide chemistry solutions and things like that, right? Which is uh, very critical for the ongoing production. So if there is a problem, if there's an upsetting conditions in the, in the flow, and then you have a different chemi chemistry issues, then you need to solve that quickly. Right in the past, what it, what used to happen is you know Someone you get the sample. We always have people on the on the platform, and they will send it over, and then you get on the phone. What it could take about two hours, but today with virtual reality and with uh, you know you know uh, hollow lenses, we actually we have a big team center in Sugarland where it's a virtual center where people are will around the world can see when people get on that. Uh, you know, put, up, put on their holders. They are real time seeing somebody standing in Nazi platform looking at what they are looking at. Our experts sitting here are seeing it. So you're real time solving the problem, right? That is amazing to think about conceptually. I mean, my, my two teenage boys yeah. are virtual reality with the Oculus on in my yeah. house all the time. Yeah. We play this game called Drunken Bar Fight. Um, <laughs> it's very interesting. But that's the kind of thing they could get into. Yeah. And we got to be talking about that more. Right, and to Josh's point, the younger generation, you know, brings th all that type of, they ask those type of questions and say, hey, why can't we use that technology, right? So to your point, Josh, this is a, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, 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 I, and this is the story that needs to get told yeah. as well. Because to your point, Leslie, that we need younger, we have a lot to offer as an industry. We have so much. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, we're talking about this and, we, the, the old joke used to say that going to the bo bottom of the ocean was as difficult as going to space. And by the this if you think I prepared these notes, you're crazy. <laughs> I did. I am, my notes are a blank sheet of paper and, you know, three espressos. And I'll just start screaming at you. Right. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Leslie and her team, highly organized. They've got great questions. And one of them is on your, the, the digital space, scientific aviation. Speaking of space and all these new technologies, can you comment on that a little bit? Uh, and what you guys have just expanded into into that? Yeah, you know, I think a part of our um, our strategic priorities as a company is, you know, how do we continue to evolve our portfolio, you know, as part of this energy transition, and make sure that you know we are staying relevant to the industry as well as to our customers, right? So, you know. Uh, the merger we, we orchestrated uh, is, a, is an important part of that 
because if you look at today, you know, our portfolio is about 85% uh, production oriented. Okay. So that gives us, you know, that long runway uh, in, in, the wo- in the world. And uh, the second aspect is we are now, you know, our revenues are almost 50-50 U.S. versus outside of the U.S. That's impressive. I wondered. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that gives us a great opportunity of regardless of how things evolve, you know, will always be relevant. <laughs> and the same way with the sources of production, whether it is deep water, oil sands, shale, conventional energy, you know, enhanced oil recovery. So we are exposed to all of those. And then we are exposed to all different p- types of customers, everybody, everybody from private operators all the way to NOCs and IOCs. So the merger was an important part of that. Then the next step when we looked at us, uh, you know, where would we evolve the portfolio, then you know, we, we knew that the emissions, and particularly starting with methane emissions, is going to be really, really important to the industry. You know? And it's a nascent industry in the upstream, you know, because it's, it's not very well understood all the elements of uh, what creates methane emissions and which assets in the well sites, which areas methane emissions happen. So we've been looking at saying, how can we play a role in it? Because we are, our employees are there at the well site. We have over 3,000 employees. Every day they are visiting well sites, right? Whether it is a platform, offshore platform, or a well site in Permian, you know, they are visiting every day. So we said, you know, we have a role to play in helping in this emissions area. So that's what led to the acquisition of Scientific Aviation. It's a company that has, uh, that had the uh, an ability, uh, you know, developed the uh, uh, sensors as well as analytical models to detect and measure methane emissions. Okay. So they do it having a plane, you know, so, uh, you know, do a flyby with a plane or run drones or we also have continuous monitoring. So when you think about you know, the, the, the priorities of particularly the industry and more importantly all our customers, pretty much I would venture to say you know, most of our customers have now committed to some type of uh, emission reduction goals. They have. Uh, they, they have, right? So we have an important role to play to help that. And then you know, converging that with the production operations and that's what we do is, you know, our emissions portfolio with our digital platform starts converging together and that's going to help our customers do that. And so that's a, again, important part of what I would call it, you know, us producing the oil and gas energy responsibly. Right. right. That And that is, I think, the, the thing to get back to is that because we will need oil and gas for so long, the technologies to develop it more cleanly, the methane emission reduction and detection, all of that, um, the low carbon tech, that's what a lot of it comes out of this industry. I've seen um, a colleague present all of maybe 75% of the green patents have come from the oil and gas yes, industry. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Right. And and so what we're developing to reduce emissions um, is is so impressive, I think. And I, I love hearing all of I'm, that. I'm pretty impressed with the 50-50 North America and global revenue split. Right. That is a impressive ability to do that. Um, I didn't realize that. I mean, I apologize. I didn't realize that you guys were that. I knew you were you're big internationally, but what does that do to your? Or I shouldn't say what does that do. What is the current global situation 
look like to you guys? I know you, you've just done earnings calls, so right. you're probably more open to speak now than maybe a week ago, but like, what does that look like now? Yeah, you know, I mean, just I'll tell you, you know, I mean, it's, it's tragic what's happening in Ukraine, right? You know, so we hopefully, you know, we, we pray that, you know, sometime peace comes back there pretty soon. And we are actively involved in, you know, helping the situation in uh, in few ways. Um, we don't have peop actual employees in U Ukraine, but we do have about 250 employees in Russia. And we have been in Russia for a long period of time, over 30 years, and uh, and we have multiple facilities. And uh, so, so clearly, you know, we are working with uh, day in, day out, all the sanctions uh, issues. You know, it's about one, one and a half percent of our revenues. So, but but the people, it, we have had a committed team there, and uh, we have a really good team in Russia, and they've been a committed employees for a long time. So we have been, you know, working with all the sanctions at the same time, trying to make sure that you know that uh, we are supporting them within the sanction uh, restrictions we have. Yeah. So that's 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 been a um, yeah. The average employee is just literally caught up in this just like every other. It's been horrible. And we have so many employees yeah. there, the sector wide, and it's hard for companies to try and protect their employees and at the same time abide by the sanctions and, and equipment is has been a big issue in services there. Do you just walk away and leave your equipment? Does Gazprom take it over? That's, you know, it's a very tough situation. It's a very tough situation. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it actually is also, you know, creates... Uh, you know, uh, the the you know multiple organizations needs to get involved to make sure because these things are evolving fast as well because every day there's a different type of sanction comes through, so 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 clearly you know we are working through that. Um, you know what what this again points to. I, I go back to the importance of the oil and gas industry and the importance of you know reliable, affordable, responsible energy. You know this goes to show right now geopolitically as well as the energy security right. is becoming so much so much more important right and uh, i think you know uh, my 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 sincere hope is that uh, there is a continued uh, recognition of this because you know we are all somewhat facing some of the underinvestment that has happened in the industry for a long period of time. The industry, right? we were already in, in a bad way ba bad before way, this right? started. I mean, we, you know, we were, we were, you know, already stretched as an industry. So the underinvestments that has happened, so now hopefully, you know, there's more recognition. You know, we need to make sure that, that we are incrementally investing. You know, look, we gotta be responsible. You know, we gotta make sure that we are using the capital responsibly, right? And making sure that we are, we are doing it right but we do need to continue to invest in a manner that we can continue to provide the the, the, the energy uh, and, and the security of energy the world needs. And that's a huge responsibility when you think about it. You and know? It, need, it requires investment. Is are you seeing a little bit of a return? I feel like we are a, a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think, I think uh, you know, uh, it, 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 the, it, there is capital discipline industry, and, and I personally feel that's a good thing for the industry because I think it's really, really important our investors see that we as an industry can be responsible, good stewards of capital, right? You know, I always say that the perception lags reality, right? So the perceptions of old downturns, you know, still hangs on, right? 
and you know even though the reality the industry has shaped up into you know we have better balance sheets now we have all you know very focused on making sure that we are deploying capital in a responsible manner so i think we need to continue to do that and uh, and we see the investor interest starting to come in right and we can see that yes. right and if you go back and look at it we were what 2 and a half percent of uh, S&P 500 mm -hmm. now we have gone up to 5 6% of S&P 500 so you can see the investors are starting to come back come back in and i think that investments are continued needed and my my the other thing we have to do as an industry is like you know uh, that's why i applaud what you're doing you know Josh you and Leslie this podcast and all we have to tell the story right and uh, the other day uh, uh, you know first time i didn't know maybe it's been going on for a while i haven't seen it you know first time i saw on on, on, on tv an ad uh from an oil and uh, you know uh, uh from an oil and gas company i think it's a midstream company that put an ad which i thought was remarkable you know the, so if the ad kind of shows uh, common people using different products right everything from their hair shampoos uh, to their pills to the jacket they put on and all that and then it shows if we don't exist what will happen all of those disappearing that right? might be williams that that's an effective ad so i don't know which company is that and uh, you know i don't know but but i saw that for the first time and people don't realize yeah, that yeah no to your point people don't realize you know what it takes for that you know these products to be made and how dependent all these products are hydrocarbon right so so i think we are an integral part of the world and uh, and we are doing it more and more responsibly right i think that story needs to be told more and more so incremental investments needs to happen and we as an industry have the responsibility to make sure that we are telling the doing the right things and then telling the story the right way right and we we need to collaborate more as an industry yes right we need to collaborate more as an industry come together and that's where you know trade organizations like yourselves play a huge role well and i go back to the the biggest beneficiary of this podcast is going to be me and anybody who listens to all of them because mm -hmm. last week we had um the director of energy and transition for ncap was on and i i got a, an hour lesson in everything from solar fields to batteries and as i was listening to this you realize like not only are they incredibly cool technology and the investment is absolutely necessary what they're doing and they're going to provide a tremendous value for the energy use of what we're doing and where we're going and and then he tells you this whole story and he's like oh by the way uh we need a ton of oil and gas and and we this is only a fraction of it and this is only what we can do but it's going to get better but it's 20 30 years away so you know the oil and gas people need to make sure that they're doing what you're talking yeah. about bill and you just you realize that anybody who kind of fights this term of energy in transition or energy transition and they I know their niche but it doesn't understand what we're actually talking about yeah. and the more that we keep talking about these stories the better it is and um ultimately it's a people game which i i know there's a lot of questions that we've asked you about people because it's a matter of the people we serve the people that we live next to the people that we are trying to make their lives better both right. internally externally um and i think if if everybody kind of realizes that that's actually what we're trying to do here um it's it's i think everybody gets on board with the collaboration because you're not just talking about two corporations collaborating although that's incredibly necessary you are talking about industry organizations reaching across you know from the subsea to the land or the you know whatever to the whatever right you need you need 
I, my grandmother used to say, it's one of my best things I ever yeah. learned from my grandma. If you want friends, be friendly. Yeah. You know, and that's, <laughs> and that's real. Right. And if you, you know, we've got to go out and say, hey, this is the story, come with us and come be part of the story. So I'm, I'm, I'm aware of your time. I could go Joe Rogan on this thing three hours. We'll, we'll talk all day long, <laughs> yeah. but I know you are. So I just want to, I want to, you just were recently, I, we saw you a couple weeks ago over in, uh, at uh, the annual Energy Workforce meeting. You were um, awarded the DNI Champion Award for the Energy Workforce and Technology Council, um, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Can you just give us an idea of what that means to you and your organization? Yeah, Josh. You know, uh, first of all, you know, I, I'm I was I was really really honored and you know to to receive that award. And it's particularly it was very meaningful to me because you know uh, a because I'm passionate about it, and b it's it's a great recognition of all the efforts our employees are doing, right? You know, in this in this area, right? And um, so, you know, when I when I when I when we look at uh, you know uh, as, as 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 an organization, it's really really important for us that it is an integral part of who we are as a company, right? Because, and that's why we kind of integrate this into the way we you know, think about our strategy as well as the decision making. So what exactly does that mean? Because what exactly does that mean? So which means everything you do in the organization, you need to also make sure you see through this lens of how, this, how, you, how you progress in that, right? For example, when you think about uh, you know, benefits, Okay, are you thinking through the lens of the different, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, background of people and making sure that the the, the uh, benefits we are offering is inclusive of to different kinds of different things kinds that people, of people need, people need yeah. right? Because so that's an example of that. So when you think about recruitment, are we really foc focusing on making sure that you get a diverse slate of candidates, or you are m always going to the comfort level? you have because we as naturally as people you know we tend to have natural biases that's natural to people we all work on getting ourselves educated and training and all that so but but making sure that not just the slate of candidates but also the interview panel we use is it diverse enough to oh make yeah. sure that we are you know bringing the right set of things so these are the type of things we kind of integrate as part of it our compensation systems you know uh, how is that designed? You know, is that reflects the needs, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and and the diversity and inclusion, uh, you know, inclusion council. You know, I chair that, and uh, and we make sure that we have a cross section of the organization have a voice on the table, right? In the you know everything from you know all of our different ERGs are represented in the council and so on and so forth. So I think you know it's it's an important element for us as an industry because we all know different innovations come from you know having diversity of thought and a diversity of experiences, right? Exactly. So it's critical for 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 the competitiveness of the company and in equally important it's important for us to attract talent because scarcity of talent you know, I mean, I can tell you right after this, I'm going to go meet with the, uh, uh, I'm interviewing a candidate for head of marketing, you know, in, in one of our divisions. And uh, I just got a text before, hey, by the way, he already has two competitive offers. Of course. So no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So you got to somehow figure out we attract this talent. Right. So think about that. Right? It's hard. We're competing against other industries, certainly, for the great talent. And it's hard. Right. But having that diversity of thought, 
people having a, a voice and a seat at the table makes a difference. Right. And I think, you know, going back to, Josh, what you said about collaboration, right? I mean, this is a, another area, right? Because we are all learning in this area, right? You know, how do we implement best good practices? You know, what is working? What is not working? We are learning. How amazing it is when we are really able to come and share hey, you know, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. And then what, what does best looks like? Like we, you know, the other day I was asking our, uh, our uh, uh, in our diversity and inclusion council, so because we have about now 1,500 unique members in our ERGs, right? Wow. So we have about 10 ERGs, okay? So we have, you know, so I said, okay, so what is, is that good or bad? I don't know. Because mm -hmm. there's right? no real benchmark for it. Correct. It's so what does good look like? Right? Is it, you know, so we are at 15%, uh, less than 15%, uh, you know, and the organizational. And uh, is, it, is it a good number? Or should it be 35, 50? I mean, you would think that that's very small. So, I mean, you know what I mean? So these type of things, how to calibrate, how, what mm -hmm. practices are working, what is not working. So th there's a tremendous amount of collaboration that can go on in that. And I know EWTC is doing a job to bring people together. So these are the type of things, if we collaborate, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Each company doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. Well, with respect to your time, and I, I do wanna, there's something that we jumped over at the beginning that because I was talking about chairs, I apologize. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited <laughs> about these new chairs. But as you're talking there, and I'm listening to it, and I was, I read your bio. You, you went, to, you graduated from Oklahoma, uh, University of Oklahoma. Yeah, sooner. Go Sooners. Uh, but you're not from Oklahoma. I'm not from Oklahoma. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, and maybe you can kind of let us wrap with this if you don't mind. You didn't. You, you there's a lot of stuff you're talking about that feels very to your core. It, you didn't. I mean, you may have read a lot of this, some of this in books, and you've you've tailored it over a, a career and a lifetime. But where did you learn this? Where did you learn that this is who I'm going to be? I just told you one of my biggest things I always tell: if you want friends, be friendly. I learned yeah. that from my grandmother, yeah. right? So, I mean, where where did you learn what you're describing? That's clearly coming out over your lifetime that you're now implementing into your uh, leadership style. Yeah, no, Josh, you're you're exactly right. The, I mean, I can say that you know the. The, you know, you read a lot of books. The books helps you crystallize some mm -hmm. thoughts, right? But, you know, I always believe as, you know, from a, I subscribe to the, the, the principle of servant leadership because it, I, I always believe it's a privilege to be a leader, you know, and you have to earn that every day, right? And, um, and so, 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 and I, I believe in being sincere and authentic, right? Because people trust people whom they feel they are sincere and authentic, right? So that's just a little bit of how I think about leadership. Now, going back to your question, you know, I mean, I, I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like when you're growing up, uh, I say, look, uh, what did I learn in master's program? You know, actually, I, I kind of realized what I learned in the bachelor's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? Crystallized. It crystallized <laughs> what I learned in bachelor's. So sometimes you go through life, and then when you start reflecting back, Suddenly, you know, oh, that's how I, that's, that's where that it came was. from, right? So actually growing up, I didn't realize my dad was my role model, you know, until I got to a point where I became my first supervisory role, managing people, and I started thinking about 
how I am behaving and things like that. And I start reading and I say, wow, you know, where did I learn this? And <laughs> my dad, so, uh, to, so my dad was a school teacher in a village in India for a long period of time. So I, uh, we, I grew up early part of my life in, 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 the, in that village with my, uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, in, in many developing worlds in the villages, right, you know, the kids, you know, go out to the field to help the families, right? My dad was so committed. First of all, he'll get up early in the morning and knock on the doors on the village to make sure that he grabs the kids before they go to the field so they can come to the school. Or he will stay back, you know, late in the evening to just to help them learn. Right, and so just observing him, you know, the service-mindedness, how helping other people, and I, you know, I sincerely believe one of the reasons I did well, I'm doing well in my life, and I, I did okay in school, is because he he was so dedicated in servicing and teaching those people and help them. You know, we all know, you help somebody get an education you are changing the trajectory of yes. the generation, yes. right? So I think I, so that's how it comes from. That's where it comes I from. I love it. I, yeah. That is such a yeah. beautiful story. So Mo, we've been friends for a long time and yeah. I've never heard you say yeah. that. No, that, that's where it comes from. It's Excellent. very beautiful. Uh, are your, is your dad alive still? No, he passed away in 1992. Your, your mom is still. My mom is still alive. Yes. She's healthy. And you she, know. she's seen your success in your family. And she, I'm sure she's very proud of you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, a, what a legacy. Humbled. What a legacy. I mean, I'm, your dad would be proud. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to know you. It is, and it really is incredible. This has been what a guest, Leslie. I know what a guest. So you're the first guest that I brought on to do. I've my, been sending Leslie some texts like "Let's go," and she just hits a home run <laughs> right <laughs> out of the box here. Thanks for having me. No, and, so much. And thanks for all you do, both of you, for the industry. You know, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you for your leadership, yeah. and it's been great to have you today. And again, I'm so happy that Josh gets to wrap up with talking about what <laughs> podcast we're in and what city. <laughs> Well, so is there anything else we need to finish with? I think we've just hit it. I'll, I'll wrap us up. Is there anything else you guys would like to say? No? I just want to, again, just tell you how much we appreciate your leadership, both at the council and certainly sector-wide. And there are many leaders that look to you, Soma. Um, and I'm just, I, we're grateful to be able to work with you. Well, thank you. I, I'll second that. And, and on that note, then I'll tell you, anybody who has listened to this, um, we're going to put uh, Champion X's website up on the uh all of the links for anything you want to listen to on all of the podcast platforms, YouTube, etc. Uh, and at the same time, we're also going to put it up for the Energy Workforce, their website. You need to get involved in this uh, Energy Workforce Technology Council. It is there's there's lots of stories like Soma, and I don't mean to minimize no, how absolutely. great this one is, but that's that's the best part about what we're all doing. We're all trying to collaborate with ideas and people and energy, etc. And I don't mean just you know actual energy that powers the world. I mean human energy. Absolutely. So uh, it has been a true pleasure. Um, I think that's it. I could keep going, but it's only just to hear myself talk, which I love to do. So uh, <laughs> on that note, thank you guys for listening. Subscribe on your favorite podcast. UprightDigital.com holds all of the channels that we have, and we appreciate the support. Thank you guys very much. Thank you.